Welcome to Red Pill Revolution. My name is Austin Adams. Red Pill Revolution started out with me realizing everything that I knew, everything that I believed, everything I interpret about my life is through the lens of the information I was spoon-fed as a child. Religion, politics, history, conspiracies, Hollywood, medicine, money, food, all of it. Everything we know was tactfully written to influence your decisions and your view on reality by those in power. Now, I'm on a mission. A mission to retrain and re-educate myself to find the true reality of what is behind that curtain. And I'm taking your ass with me. Welcome to the revolution. Hello and welcome to Red Pill Revolution. My name is Austin Adams, and this is episode number nine of the Red Pill Revolution podcast. I appreciate you joining me so much. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about some really deep stuff. We're going to go back a little bit to our roots here. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, and I say new, it's only been a couple months since we've been doing this, uh, but it's flown by. Um, but if you're new to the podcast, uh, what you've probably seen lately is a lot of current events, and we uh, primarily what we did at the beginning of the podcast uh, was go back on some historical, uh, more red pill type of situations that have happened in the past, and uh, I think it's time we get back to that. So this week we are going to talk about the deep, dark history of the CIA, the Central Intelligence Agency. Uh, we're going to talk about all of the, uh, how it began, what is the history of the CIA, um, where they started to steer wrong pretty quickly after uh, the beginning of it, the CIA, and then some of the dark programs that have been released through Freedom of Information Acts that have been released uh, either in the last you know few decades here. But before we do that, I need you to do one thing for me. I need you to go ahead and press that subscribe button right now. It's right there on your screen. All you gotta do is press it for me. All you gotta do, just, just a little tap. Just tap it, it's right there, just press it. If you're on YouTube, it's right there, it's that red button. If you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, it's on that screen somewhere. So press that button right now, subscribe to the channel. I'm gonna be putting out awesome content every single week, whether it's current events, whether it's historical lessons on how to reframe your thinking, go ahead and press that subscribe button. If you're already subscribed, thank you so much. If you're on Apple Podcasts, this is our eighth, uh, past our eighth week here on Apple Podcasts. So one thing with Apple that's important is on your ninth week, you can start to apply to get a little bit more traction through Apple Podcasts with their new and noteworthy. And the way that they do that is through the ratings button. Um, that's a big piece of it. So if you could press that five-star review right now, I would love to, uh, I would really, really appreciate it. And you'd help the Red Pill Revolution out a lot. So let's Go. The first topic that we're going to talk about today is some horrific situations where children were basically, this was in California at the uh, Obama, Barack Obama Academy, the Barack Obama Global Preparation Academy. Um, who would have thought this would happen there, right? Weird coincidence. But apparently they were coercing small children to get vaccinated by giving them pizza. I'm going to repeat that because I think it's so crazy. And, and if you go look for this, not a single major news company is covering this. I mean, you'll see that we pull up some local news station here, but very, very few, very little coverage on this coercive act. And, and even getting into some of the things that we talked about later with the CIA and Operation Paperclip and the recruitment of Nazi scientists from Germany following World War II, then Nuremberg trials. And Nuremberg Code basically states that you have to have proper consent to give somebody some type of pharmaceutical drug. Without even mentioning the fact that this is a child, that's a violation of Nuremberg Code. The fact that this child was coerced 
And that's in there specifically too in Nuremberg Code is that you cannot coerce people to take pharmaceutical drugs or medications for experimentation. And they happened right here. The Barack Obama Los Angeles Academy of Global Preparation um, was vaccinating a child without the parents' consent. Parents in the L.A. Unified School District are accusing schools of giving their kids the vaccine without their consent. Maribel Duarte says that her 13-year-old son, a student at the Barack Obama Global Prep Academy in South L.A., brought home this vaccine card after getting the shot at school. And she says that he said yes when somebody offered the vaccine in exchange for some pizza. It hurt it to know that he got a shot without my permission, without me even knowing or signing any papers for him to get the shot. LAUSD says student matters are confidential and wouldn't comment specifically, but did say it's a program and it's meant to ensure several steps are in place for vaccinated students to get prizes. All students 12 and above in the district have to be vaccinated by January 10th, or they could be forced back into virtual online learning. So what we just saw there, and, and something that they said was more concerning than, maybe not more, not even close to more concerning, but the very concerning on top of the situation itself where they basically coerced a child to get a, a experimental drug um, was the fact that they said that student, let's, I want to hear that one more time. It said something like student activities or student conversations are confidential. How about my child's medical information and the stuff that we put inside their body is confidential. You don't get to claim confidentiality when you're not even being upfront to the parents about what you're injecting into children at school based on the premise of a pizza party. That's crazy to me. And if that was my child, I cannot believe that this is so limited coverage because every person within that facility would be getting a letter from a lawyer. And this that's exactly what this mother should do. And, and lo and behold, of course, this is in, in a lower income area. And the fact that they're preying on these children and, and telling them that if you don't get vaccinated, you're going to get kicked out of school, kicked out of school and put into what virtual learning in, in, in a community like that? What, what do you think that home life's going to look like? What, what is the likelihood that they're going to get their homework done on time? Or are you just pushing them to the side? Because they don't agree with you. It's crazy. So not only are they going to kick you out of school if you don't get it, but but how we're going to give it to you is by coercing you with pizza. There's zero reason. Well, there's probably very few. Let's say that. There's very few reasons that you should be vaccinating a child with for COVID-19. The statistical likelihood that your child falls extremely ill from COVID itself is very, 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 very low. I, 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 the last time I heard a statistic, it was like six children have have actually specifically died. Now I'll, let's pause this because I'm going to go ahead and look that up for you. Oh, interesting. So the first thing that we see is that the CDC has not tracked the comorbidities of children zero to seventeen. So this article was released. August 18th of 2021, so about four months ago, it says that there was a total of 361 children in three years, so 100 children, two two in almost three years now, since 2019, so I guess two years, seems like five years, 10 years with what it's been, 361 children, 180 a year have passed away, and they did not track the comorbidities. And we found out that 6% of all COVID deaths that were being counted as COVID deaths were accidental or purposeful self-harm. So when you take that into consideration, that number is going to plummet 361 children as of August. But even if you take that as the number, the statistical likelihood that your child gets that of the 614,000 deaths listed without taking comorbidities into consideration, because then that drops to it was like 12,000 from the last thing I heard um, when there's no comorbidities, but 361 children over two years, which represents point of the people who died, not only of the actual children, but of the overall sample size of the people who died, three, 614,000 were 
total and 0.058% were representing of that 360 or 361 children. So you are going to not only take the likelihood so, so, so here's what you're going to do. You're going to vaccinate your child with something that you have no idea what's going to happen. We know that your child is not going to die of COVID. Very high likelihood is that they're going to do just fine. You probably won't even know it. And this person from the school is going to take it on themselves and from their mouth coerce my child to get an experimental gene therapy without my consent. You should be subject to Nuremberg laws and Nuremberg code. And you should be tried the same way that the Nazis were for the human experimentation that they did. And we'll find out more about that very shortly. But this is this situation where they vaccinated this child. And again, there's been no other talks of this. Not in a single major news outlet is covering this. Unbelievably disgusting on the part of this school. And they should be tried. And they should have they should have to take responsibility. If something comes up and that child's sick anytime now, that school was 100% at fault. And not only that school, but that individual who has to sleep at night knowing that they coerced a child to take a vaccine that they know nothing about. To take a gene therapy that they know nothing about, that we have no long-term side effects on for adults, let alone children. And that doesn't even discuss the fact that how does that adult know what pharmaceutical drugs my child takes what does that adult know about my child's medical status about the pre-existing conditions that they hold nothing of course they know nothing but they're just going to inject you with it anyways because that's what it's about it's about the number of people so that when the sample size gets when when 70 80 90 percent of the public is being pushed towards vaccination the reason at this point because after all the data that's come out from bears and we know all of the negative side effects that come with it the reason that they're pushing this this way. So Ted Cruz went on here and said, absolutely appalling. The government should not be circumventing parents like this. Parents need to know and consent to their child getting the vaccine. Somebody else said parents accused Los Angeles. Okay, so they just said what, what happened here. So according to the district, over 80% of eligible students are vaccinated against COVID-19. Students who fail to meet the vaccine requirements by January will be forced to return to local or to virtual learning. So once we learned a little bit more about this, the lady, this is what the child, this is the, the quote here says, the lady that gave him the shot and signed the paper told my son, quote, please don't say anything. I don't want to get in trouble. Maribel Duarte told NBC Los Angeles News. That's the mom. Her 13-year-old son, her child was the one who attends the school, was vaccinated and told not to tell the parent. That is the work of a sociopath of a psychopath for you to think that you hold a position over the parent and you get to make medical decisions on that child's behalf without talking to the parent or knowing their medical background that is the work of a sociopath and then to try to get my child to lie to me the parent this person who did this to this child should absolutely be thrown in jail how about we throw him in jail until, I don't know, when the 75 years are up that uh, Pfizer's recommending for them to actually tell you the data of, of the side effects. Anyways, let's move on. The next thing that we're going to cover here was a Freedom of Information document that was released. Uh, I guess it was in 2016 is when the document was initially released, but it's just making headlines now where there was 10 CIA, 10 plus CIA employees, agents, whatever you want to call them, um, who had some shape or form of pedophilia, whether it was actions against a child, whether it was pornography on their computer, whether it was uh, actual rape, um, and there was actual outlines of it in the CIA documents that were released, there was 10 plus of them who had some type of pedophilia that they engaged in. Of those 10 people, in this Freedom of Information document that was released, of those 10 people, only one of them. So the, all of these cases were sent internal 
to, to internal investigations. They weren't tried in public. Nothing. Just within the CIA. CIA is like, ah, no, nah, well, we got it. We'll take care of our friend here. Nine out of ten of them walked. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Declassified reports from the CIA's inspector general revealed that at least 10 members of the agency allegedly committed sex crimes against children and were never prosecuted. According to BuzzFeed News, the U.S. Federal Intelligence Agency secretly amassed information about child sex crimes committed by permanent and temporary employees, which, although referred to federal prosecutors, ended up being resolved internally without prosecution in all but one case. According to BuzzFeed, the documents obtained through the Freedom of Information Act FOIA, and date from 2004 to 2019 show that the sex crimes committed were covered up by the CIA and that some of those involved were only removed from their positions. The media mentions that the federal agency is reluctant to prosecute its personnel to protect state secrets that could be exposed, citing the endorsement of a federal law that exempts it from disclosing details about its operations. According to the documents, one CIA staff member allegedly downloaded videos containing images of child sexual abuse of minors ranging from 8 to 16 years old, which he shared with others using the agency's Wi-Fi network. Another allegedly purchased pornographic movies involving minors. In both cases, the employees were never brought to trial. Another more serious case involves a CIA employee who reportedly confessed to sexually abusing a six-year-old girl and engaging in inappropriate sexual activity with an unidentified two-years-old girl, despite the admissions and the evidence that investigators found on his devices. Prosecutors from the Eastern District of Virginia declined to take up a criminal case. Instead, they told the inspector general there were taint issues, a term that is sometimes used to refer to mishandled evidence. In addition, the documents cite a case in which the contract of a temporary member, who had agreed to have sex with someone who turned out to be an undercover FBI agent posing as a child, was terminated. Of all the sex crime cases mentioned in the documents, there is only a record of a single prosecution and conviction, even though, as the media outlet noted, the CIA assured it takes all allegations of possible criminal misconduct committed by personnel seriously. But crimes of pedophilia, including both sexual abuse and the viewing of images of child abuse, not only involve members of the CIA, but have also been uncovered among the personnel of other government agencies. Documents dating back to 2009 revealed that Department of Defense employees and contractors contained child abuse videos and pornography. Meanwhile, in 2016, Pentagon Defense Security Service Director Daniel Payne said that the amount of child porn that was found on government devices is just unbelievable. More information on that. Horrific. Now, no surprise that somebody within the CIA or somebody within a high government position would engage in pedophilia. And no surprise that when they engaged in it and even confessed to it and even had evidence of it, they weren't tried properly, just like what we may see as the outcome of the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. And no surprise, just like with the redacted information that came out of the Ghislaine Maxwell trial, if you don't know this, um, they released uh, basically all of the flight logs. And it, within the case, the, the, a lot of the flight logs, almost like a good percentage, majority of the flight logs, the names were redacted. Now, why would the government want to withhold the names of child rapists. Why would the government want to do that? What would cause them to want to take away your possibility for knowing who those individuals were? And what would be the motivation for them doing that? Because that's ballsy. You're going to outright, in the middle of a case, directly show that you have favoritism towards a pedophile over the public. Because there's a great portion of that flight list that was redacted. And the only reason they're redacting it is because there's high-level officials within the government. There's high-level officials within Hollywood, within British royalty, within all of the things that we've already seen come out of this that are on that flight list log. And they don't want you to know about it. They think you're stupid. They think you're naive. But if you want to know some of those names, feel free to look at that black book. And if you want to, go check it out. If you haven't already, we dropped one on our Substack. On our Substack, we talked about it. We, we gave a whole list of celebrities, royalty, uh, uh, famous uh, musicians, anything you can think of, scientists. They're all on that list. From Stephen Hawking, Alec Baldwin, uh, 
Prince Andrew, David Rockefeller, um, George Soros, Courtney Love, give a name, they're all they're on there. And so that's the reason they want to redact it. The same reason that they, they got highly redacted information from this Freedom of Information Act regarding CIA employees specifically. And so we're, we'll see here, that, you know, a lot of people argue once you hear about some of these older operations that were going on, like MKUltra, like Project Paperclip, like all of these things that we're going to talk about in a few minutes here, you're going to hear that a lot of people, you may not hear it today, but you're going to hear that a lot of people defend this stuff and go, oh, well, that was back then. There, there's no way they're doing that stuff now. Right. There's no way that they're performing, uh, you know, blackmail acts of pedophilia and utilizing somebody like Epstein as a front to do so so that they can hold blackmail over all of these famous and uh, powerful individuals in politics. There's no way they would do that. No way. But. Then you look at the names in the black book, you realize all of the contacts in there, you realize who ties to what you realize that once, once he gets his hand in Hollywood and once he gets his hand in politics and once he gets his hand in British royalty in the music industry, it spreads like wildfire, right? So 10 people found to have committed these acts, 10 plus people in the CIA, one was tried properly and nine others skate free, nothing, not a single charge, nothing, even though he specifically came out and said that he molested a six-year-old and a two-year-old, walked free, even though he had the documents on his computer, nothing. And they cited the reason, at least one of the reasons as being because of information that the CIA holds that could potentially leak as a result of that. What would be that information and why would that have any ties to pedophilia? Hmm. What type of information could they be concerned about coming out that is tied to the case of one of their own employees engaging in acts of pedophilia and rape against children? Hmm. Interesting. So, again, talking about the CIA and some of these organizations with the U.S. government, Julian Assange was ordered to be extradited to the U.S. So if you haven't heard about this case, Julian Assange leaked information regarding the uh, CIA, the NSA, and specific operations that they were conducting that were uh, spying on the American people. And uh, Julian Assange was recently uh, gaining asylum in, uh, I believe it was Great Britain. Great Britain, Jesus. <laughs> it's not very great. Um, kind of lost that title, didn't you? Uh, in Britain. The court has ruled, speaking of which, that uh, Julian Assange can be extradited to the U.S. to face espionage charges, reversing an earlier judgment. If convicted, Assange faces 175 years for publishing classified documents. Over the weekend, doctors confirmed that Assange suffered a stroke on the morning of his latest hearing. His fiance Stella Morris, believes the stroke was triggered by the stress of his ongoing legal battles. Here's Morris on National Human Rights Day speaking about the injustices taking place against Assange. Let's watch. He has been detained since the 7th of December 2010 in one form or another, 11 years. For how long can this go on? Today is International Human Rights Day. What a shame. How cynical. To have this decision on this day, to have one of the foremost, the foremost publisher, journalist of the past 50 years in a UK prison, accused of publishing the truth about war crimes, about CIA kill teams. And in fact, every time we have a hearing, more, we know more about the abusive nature the criminal nature of this case. Julian exposed the crimes of CIA torturers, of CIA killers, and now we know that those CIA killers were planning to kill him too. 
Critics are zeroing in on President Biden's handling of the situation as well. As Glenn Greenwald notes, the Biden DOJ's ongoing attempt to extradite and prosecute Assange is a grave threat to press freedom. Glenn's sentiment on Assange were echoed by MSNBC's Mehdi Hassan. Let's watch. And if you don't think the Biden administration following in the footsteps of Trump's on this issue is a huge mistake, if you don't think a future Trump administration won't use and leverage and weaponize this precedent of Democrats in power going after Assange to go after the rest of us in the quote unquote mainstream media or the fake news media, as they call it, well, you're more trusting than I am. Dangerous precedents are being set and we journalists cannot afford to look away or pretend it's nothing to do with us. Look, again, I am no fan of Julian Assange as a person. I'm appalled that he decided to suck up to the Trump family or that he wouldn't give the women who accused him of sexual assault their day in court. But you don't have to like Assange or WikiLeaks to be very, very concerned about the action against him that the Biden administration is taking. To borrow a line from Noam Chomsky, if we don't believe in freedom of expression for people we despise, we don't believe in it at all. To reiterate, going after the publisher of information that a government deems classified or secret is a pretty illiberal and authoritarian thing to do. It's wrong when Trump did it, and it's wrong when Biden does it. There'll be a rally today in New York City at noon at the British consulate to protest his extradition. All right, so there we saw his wife talking about how uh, the information that he released under WikiLeaks, um, his journalist, that he released CIA kill operations. He released information regarding uh, surveillance situations and assassination attempts, I'm sure amongst a lot of other things with WikiLeaks. So he is now being extradited to the United States. And if you didn't know, the Trump organization, I guess there was documents that were released or emails or something like that that were released that showed that they were trying to conspire to figure out a way to assassinate Assange, which is unbelievable to me. It's like the, the fact that the U.S. government, and he said it within that, it's a very authoritarian thing to do to go after somebody who's releasing documents um, that show you are doing something illegal. It's like... The second that the government is trying to hide their tracks by putting you or me or other people within these organizations in jail, um, that's highly concerning. And, and, and he even said it there, you know, he, his concern was being on the probably the left of the media was that the Trump organization is going to use that as a precedent to come after other journalists, including him, right, which is a fair belief if if you if you get to go after assange for this just like trump tried to go after assange um, but if you go after assange for this this opens up the door this sets a precedence right it's not just assange who's going to be tried in 170 years 150 something years that he's going to be tried under that's more than el chapo got that is more than el chapo was charged with for releasing information regarding something that you were doing so the person who's in the morally right position here. Because if you're doing secret underground kill operations, sorry to inform you, you're in the wrong. <laughs> um, the person who's in the right here is the one who's releasing that information, who's letting people know that, hey, they're doing something wrong here. They're doing something they shouldn't be doing. And especially when it's against people of the American public, right? When they're releasing documents showing the surveillance on everybody you can imagine, anybody with a cell phone, Right. So it's a sad day in America when we are doing things that we would normally attribute to communists or any type of authoritarian regime, which is going after journalists for doing their job, reporting on things that the public would want to know and should know that involves their safety and their tax dollars and among a ton of other things. Right. So on the backs of that. Now let's jump into it. This week's episode is going to talk about the history of the CIA. So if you didn't know, the CIA was founded on the back of World War II. So prior to World War II, there was really no type of organized espionage organization within the United States. Now there was some forms here and there. There was like the uh, original, um, George Washington was even called uh, um, 
Agent 711 um, of the Culper Sky, Spy Ring at the, during the founding of our country. And, you know, you go back to even then, the very beginnings, there was always organizations who were engaged in espionage. Spy is always a part of once you get to an organization that's big enough that there's going to be other organizations who want to find things out about you to help you meet your doom, right? Whether you're in uh, a high-level corporation within uh, finance or you're in the governmental position, right? So for hundreds of probably thousands of years, there's been people who have worked to find out information from those opposing forces and in turn help their organization live longer, at least. (laughs) So... um, Widely accepted as coming from the actual failings of our kind of disorganized espionage organizations prior, like the uh, Navy um, had its own subsection. And uh, but basically there was really bad communication between uh, these organizations. And what resulted of that was Pearl Harbor. Apparently there was a lot of information that came out regarding Pearl Harbor that indicated that there should have been some level of awareness. There should have been some situational, some situational awareness surrounding that event that should have led these people to realize that this was going to happen. Okay, so Pearl Harbor, Pearl Harbor happens, and as a result of that, um, there was a ton of people who died, right? A ton of soldiers who died in Pearl Harbor, and to prevent another event from like that from occurring. Uh, Franklin Roosevelt formed the Office of Strategic Services. So that was the very first, what ended up turning into the CIA, um, was the Office of Strategic Services, and which was quickly dissolved by Harry Truman, um, and then again formed as the Central Intelligence Agency in 1947 with the signing of the National Security Act. So Truman basically reorganized it after there was uh, the outbreak of the Cold War. So the Cold War happens, and Truman realizes that, eh, Maybe that was probably a good idea from Roosevelt and just puts a stamp of approval on it, calls it something different. So the CIA is founded um, as a result of the National Security Act. And what happens originally on the outbreak or I guess the dissolution of the Nazi party is that there's lots of people and lots of scientists and lots of soldiers and lots of high level ranking, high ranking individuals within the Nazi party who begin to disperse, right? Scientists start finding new homes, right? Because they're now not working for the government. So what our government took it upon themselves to do, just like Russia later took it upon themselves to do in a similar fashion, only in a little bit more aggressive ways than we did it, um, we basically recruited Nazi scientists. And it was called Operation Paperclip. And uh, Operation Paperclip was an effort to take all of the information that the Nazi scientists learned under the uh, regime of Adolf Hitler and find out all of their secrets, right? Because if you can get one scientist from one department, you know a lot about that department, right? Whether it's about rockets, and we'll hear that about Werner Van Braun, who later founded NASA, basically, and took us to the moon during the Cold War, was a Nazi scientist. Um, so they recruited all these scientists and they did it under the guise that they were trying to protect us from, you know, if we don't get them, then Russia's going to get them was basically their excuse. And so right on the founding of the CIA, even before the founding of the CIA, um, there was Operation Paperclip. And we recruited a bunch of Nazi scientists. And the same Nazi scientists who were tried under Nuremberg Code, the same Nazi scientists who conducted horrific, horrific massacres on hundreds of thousands of millions of people. Those ones. We recruited them to work for our government. We recruited them to work for NASA, for the CIA. And we brought them into our country and gave them clemency. They were not, like, if you, there was people who got tried, of the thousand plus people that we recruited under Operation Paperclip, there was many, many, many of them who got tried and convicted of murder, mass murder, hundreds of thousands of people. And we took that individual and we put them in the CIA. And what we did with them is we put them in positions to where we, they could further their research. So the same trials that we tried them for, or the same experiments that we tried them for under Nuremberg Code, we now continued under the banner of the CIA. 
And that started with Operation uh, Artichoke, or Project Artichoke, and Operation, which later turned into um, MKUltra. And that kind of starts us into the how, because if you don't know the how, and you don't realize that during this time between the mid-40s and the 70s was the height of the time that Nazis were a part of the CIA and NASA. And so if you realize that, everything that I'm about to say gets to be a little bit more understandable and gets to be a little bit more uh, real, right? So Operation uh, Project uh, Artichoke was basically the continuation of Nazi experiments um, based on brainwashing, utilizing drugs and psychiatric techniques to try to basically eliminate people's consciousness and then reprogram it with what they wanted or and try and recall memories and a few other things like that. So, um, and the way that we found out all this information where when MK ultra came out and when, uh, you know, operation paperclip was released and when, uh, things like, uh, operation Northwoods was released. It's, it's never just like the CIA is like, Hey, we're done with this now. Here's all this information. It's always, somebody has to poke a hole in it for enough of these documents to leak out. And what we'll find is as a result, a lot of times these documents aren't even around anymore. They were shredded. They were misplaced. They were not never to be found again. Um, just like the MK ultra information. So MK ultra was a, it was 198 sub projects that were done under the banner of MK ultra and MK ultra was the continuation of those Nazi experiments in a ton of different ways. And what they did is they funded research all over the country, whether it was at uh, universities like Harvard or MIT, or whether it was at, um, hospitals or schools or the beach in California. Um, like we'll find out later. They funded this research and gave millions of dollars to these institutes to brainwash people and to experiment on them under the guise that they were helping them medically. So if you came into, into their hospital with depression, now they're shocking you with electroshock therapy. They're putting you in a medically induced coma for months at a time, and they're brainwashing you to help you with your depression. So there's actually a victim here who talks about her time at the Allen Institute to combat depression. And she was actually the result. Um, her, she became a victim of the, the brainwashing experiments. Was, of uh, sent so here's to that. the Allen, which was the psychiatric ward of the uh, Royal Vic. Uh, every time I had the uh, nitrous oxide, I felt like I was spinning into an, into a, Spinning, spinning, spinning with a faster and faster, and I always thought, is this how it feels to die? And I never knew if I'd ever come out of it. And it really, I didn't like it. It really left me feeling very, very angry and very depressed afterward. And I didn't like all the pills that I was get, taking. I couldn't swallow them with water because uh, they were always afraid that I wouldn't keep them down. So a nurse was always watching me until I swallowed them. What can you tell us about Dr. Ewan Cameron? He wasn't liked by the patients. He, uh, we all stayed away from him. We all made beelines away from him whenever we saw him. We were terrified of him. Nobody really knew why, but we were all terrified of him. Uh, once we were at the Allen, we, we didn't have a choice. Uh, we couldn't say, no, we don't want this. No. Uh, it was, you know, we were given medication and we had to take it. Uh, some people I know were restrained to take uh, because they didn't want their medication. They were restrained and they were forced to take the medication. We were very surprised, of course, and angered. And uh, I would say uh, somewhat frustrated that nobody really intervened on these uh, patients' behalf. Uh, it, uh, later on we found out that it was a collaborative 
work between the Canadian government and the American government, the CIA and the Canadian government, who actually condoned this experimentation on unknowing uh, victims, actually. These patients were used. Uh, Gina was awarded the state at that time and, and didn't have a voice and didn't have even a status. So <clears throat> it seemed that that to have happened in our country was something really surprising and disappointing. I uh, really am proud of her. I think she's just uh, really, it's a human triumph. She just won. She came out of it in one piece. Uh, a wonderful mother, a terrific friend and partner. It's amazing. All right, so what we just saw there was basically a woman being interviewed who was a part of Subproject 68 during the MKUltra experiments. And this was ongoing through the 70s. And something that she pointed out there that I thought was really interesting that I hadn't pointed out for you guys prior was the fact that the CIA did not want the backlash involved in experimenting and this sub certain subproject on United States citizens. So what they did is they outsourced the project. They, they started to utilize it at medical facilities in Canada. So they didn't think it was right to use, do it on their own citizens. At least they didn't want the backlash that came with it. And so Canada like offered its uh, citizens up for tribute, um, which is horrible in and of itself. And this sub, so we talked about how the fact that it, Family Jewels came out, right? And when Family Jewels came out, there was all these lists of all these illegal activities that the CIA uh, conducted. And of those lists that were in Family Jewels, MKUltra, Operation Northwoods were the two biggest, um, most wrong things that were happening, right? They had the most moral issue, like the, the community, the citizens of the United States had the, the biggest issue with those two situations, rightfully. Of the sub-projects, of the almost 190 or so sub-projects that were in MKUltra itself, the by far worst, at least the one as far as we know of, was sub-project 68, which this woman actually was a part of. So th what they did at this institute, basically, um, was the name of the doctor, and you actually heard her get asked about the name of the doctor in there. Um, the name of the doctor was, I believe, let's see here. So the name of the doctor was Donald Cameron at the Allen Memorial Institute. So this is a very infamous institute as a result of the subproject that they did through MKUltra here. And so during the subproject, what he did, and you heard him ask a little bit about it to her, but I don't think she touched on it enough. What this Donald Cameron did um, at this Canadian Memorial Hospital was basically he would put people into, and this was all CIA funded, all CIA experimentation and all CIA torture, basically, on these people who had depression, who had depression. And they started electroshock therapy on them. They put them in a coma. They uh, tried to brainwash them. So... What they did is, is this Donald Cameron would basically put people in an 88-day medically-induced coma. Then, after he got them out, out of that coma, he would then give electroshock therapy at 30 times the recommended dose for human consumption. Now, we know today that electroshock therapy is not used anywhere for anything, basically, and it's just torture. Um, but at this time, he did it at 30 times the recommended human dosage. After he did that, and what his idea and what his goal here was basically to completely eliminate your personal consciousness, was to get rid of your memories, to get rid of your personality, to get rid of your predispositions, and rebuild your personality in a way that they wanted, or he wanted, and what the CIA wanted, and was their goal. 
So the way that he did that, besides that medically induced coma, then followed that with electroshock therapy for 100 days, then followed that with 20 hours a day of what they called psychic driving. So psychic driving was basically where they would put you in a room and they would um, make it a sensory deprivation room. So there was no light, there was no sound, um, nothing that you could hear, feel, see, or touch. And the only thing that you had was this pre-recorded loop recording that played for 20 hours a day straight while you were sitting there in the chair in a vegetable state in the hopes that they could reprogram you. So they would sit you there after you were in a medically induced coma, after they completely wiped away your consciousness, and then play the same recorded loop for a 100 days straight, 20 hours a day, to see if they could brainwash you into becoming who they wanted you to be. Okay? So by far... In my opinion, the worst unredacted experiment and subproject of MKUltra was project, uh, subproject number 68. And so MKUltra actually kept going on, right? There was another uh, situation called Operation Midnight Climax. And Operation Midnight Climax was basically the CIA working in conjunction with prostitutes. And they would dose these Johns who were purchasing, I guess you don't purchase, but paying for these sexual acts. And they would dose them with LSD and other drugs to see what their reactions were. Um, and so... During that Operation Midnight Climax, now we could take this even a step further where there's this the book that was recently written and released about the fact that Charles Manson, the, the Charles Manson was actually a part of the MK Ultra experiments. And there's rumors that, or, or actually a, a pretty well-documented investigative journalist who wrote this book who documented the fact that Charles Manson was a part of these programs, became hooked on LSD as a result, and then utilized the same programming and the same brainwashing that was done to him onto these people who became who began following him in this cult that he created and ended up subsequently murdering people on his behalf. So I plan on diving super deep into that book. I think it could be a super interesting topic, and it's one that I don't think has been touched on enough given the... Uh, circumstances of MK Ultra, given the circumstances of this cult and these murders. Um, it's a really deep rabbit hole, but I, I really do think it's worth picking up that book. I was just looking at it today. So something to look into. Charles Manson may or may not have been a part of MK Ultra and then utilized the brainwashing techniques that he learned in MK Ultra to brainwash his cult members into murdering people on his behalf. So maybe that kind of alludes you to believe that they figured it out, right? They figured out how to brainwash people, how to reprogram your consciousness and how to program it in a way that you will do whatever they want you to do and whatever way they want you to do it. So speaking about pop culture, there's actually a movie out and I saw somebody recently post this on one of my posts on Instagram regarding the Manchurian Candidate movie. And if you haven't seen Manchurian Candidate, this shit is crazy. It's absolutely worth going to see again. There's two of them. I believe one was released in the 60s as a result of a book and then one was re-released with Denzel Washington as the main character in like the early 2000s. And it's a awesome movie. So just, just watch it. It's a great movie. You should absolutely see it. It, it goes into a lot of it, it really highlights, it, it doesn't go deep into the actual CIA experiments, but it, it, it alludes to the fact of these MKUltra experiments that were being done on soldiers, on uh, people at the hospital wards, on uh, general citizens. And in a specific situation of uh, Manchurian Candidate, um, I won't tell you the whole thing if you end up going to watch it, um, but the idea is basically that they brainwashed these soldiers and they did it so that they could, at, at any time, they could say basically their full name. And when they said their full name, it put them into a trance and then they would do whatever they were told to do. I don't know. seems to me, after I've learned a lot about history, after I've learned a lot about occultist mentalities, and I've learned a lot about the symbolism that's shoved in our faces constantly... Um, is that these all these little seeds within Hollywood are just dropped for us, and all this information that all all of these things that have happened in the past, whether it's through Disney shows, whether it's through movies like The Manchurian Candidate, this has been interwoven into the fabric of Hollywood for decades and decades and decades and decades. So when you keep that in mind, and I think that that's a big piece of all of this, right? Like if you can, the whole point of this podcast is to reprogram your mind, to see today what the actual possibilities of what we're going to look back on it tomorrow. 
right? And so to put that into a specific sense, this woman just thought she was at a psychiatric institute. She just thought she was being treated for depression. But really, really, she was a part of a CIA brainwashing experiment. That's crazy, right? And all she thought was she was getting her depression dealt with. And so if you understand the past and you understand what our government is capable of, you understand not only what the means that they used, but what the end that they hoped for was, right? Because the means is always going to change, especially with technology, right? If you, The means is always going to change, right? This brainwashing could have completely taken a move from being done on prostitutes and Johns and military members and depressed people in psychiatric facilities into being done on our cell phones every single day through social media. We don't know, right? We don't know what direction and we won't know. Just like the MKUltra experiments in, in Family Jewels was not released until the 1992 Freedom of Information Act released regarding uh, the Kennedy assassination. So it took that and it took 50 years before this experiment was actually known to the public. And the reason that they do that is obviously on purpose. It's the same reason that Pfizer wants you to wait 75 years until you hear anything about the the, the vaccine and the uh, potential negative side effects. It's the same thing. All they want to do is kill off the entire generation that will be mad enough to do something about it and make everybody who is a part of these experiments, everybody who is a part of pushing this vaccine, everybody who is a part of making this mainstream narrative that you need to inject this uh, gene therapy medication into your body to combat something that's as simple as the flu so that all of those people are immune all of the if you wait 75 years from now until all of this information comes out and we realize all of these people murdered were basically murdered and died as a result of negligence on behalf of our government and scientific institutions but you wait 75 years all of those people are fucking dead anyways you don't have to worry about them going to jail. And all the people who would be mad about it are fucking dead anyways. You don't have to worry about that. So it's the same thing with the CIA. It's the same thing with Pfizer. It's the same thing that we're going to see today. You are not going to know the deep, dark things that our government is doing, the deep, dark things that our government is capable of until you it, it, the actions themselves are a generation removed from the possibility of getting indicted for a federal charge on, on behalf of the situation, right? So they want you a whole generation removed from the information because if they can wait 20 years, at least 20, all of the hype around that event's going to die down. If they can wait 50 years, even better. And if they can wait 75 years, everybody's already fucking dead. So it doesn't matter, right? So that's what you have to realize is that you're not going to know what they're doing to you today unless you look through the framework of what the ends are that they wanted in the past because you can't even take the means, right? They may still be doping up Johns with LSD in person, but they probably shifted to something a little bit more complex and technological. But if you utilize the framework and you understand what they were hoping to accomplish, which is making you do something against your better judgment and will, or even against what, what they said in that CIA memo that was released, which basically stated um, in 1950, there was a CIA interdepartmental memo that was released that said, can we, it was basically asking a question to all of the people in the CIA. And said this, can we get control of an individual to the point where he will do our bidding against his will and even against fundamental laws of nature, such as self-preservation? So if you understand that that is a goal that they have in mind, right, whether it's Helm, whether it's duels in charge of the CIA, no matter who is running this operation, they have that same goal in mind. They want to be able to do their bidding against your will or your fundamental laws of nature, including self-preservation. And so then they try to do that using LSD. And today they may be trying to do it through your cell phone, through your social media, through the access that you have to Google information. And so the, the entire point of learning these things is so that you can realize and utilize a framework of thinking that allows you to start to decipher in real time what these institutions and organizations may be trying to do against you as the people today. Because everything here is about power. Everything they've done like this is about power. If they can move that needle towards a little bit more power, a little bit more totalitarianism, a little bit more control over you and your day-to-day -day life, 
then the world can look a little bit more in the direction of what puts them in a higher position of power. Right. So the whole point of this, you have to start retraining your brain, retraining your brain to understand that the CIA wants to force you to do things against your will, even if that means putting you in a mental institution, putting you in a medically induced coma, electroshock therapy until your consciousness is essentially gone, putting you in a sensory deprivation tank until you're reprogrammed to think in the way that they want you to think and then releasing you back to the general public after you're a vegetable, even if it means that. Right. So we need to keep that in mind. Now, another example that people use when it comes to the Family Jewels situation was Operation Northwoods was released as a result of Family Jewels. And if you're not familiar, people often point to Operation Northwoods as being and showing the potential of the CIA to conduct an operation on the scale or within the realm of 9-11. Right? And I know there's, there's a lot of people who give a ton of pushback on the idea that 9-11 is a conspiracy. And I, trust me, I get it. I get it 100%. But if you look back on Operation Northwoods and you look back on the intentions behind, right? We just talked about that. The end. What is the end goal? The end goal of Operation Northwoods was they wanted to incite a war and gain public approval and worldwide approval to show that Cuba as a communist country was a huge problem and we were justified in going to war with them. That was the whole point of Operation Northwoods. And so if you understand the ends, you can understand how the means might change to get that end. And so if you can understand that we were willing to, within these documents of Operation Northwoods, hijack and crash planes into buildings to try and incite war with Cuba, why wouldn't we be willing, as the CIA, to hijack and crash planes into buildings to incite war with Afghanistan or with ISIS or with the Taliban or with any of these other organizations? So if you have to understand that these people who are saying these things, these people who think 9-11 isn't a conspiracy aren't sitting, well, maybe some of them are (laughs) sitting there with their tinfoil hat and coming up with all these crazy conspiracies. But a lot of times it's founded in history. And, And if you start to pull on the strings of history and you start to realize what our government has been capable of doing in the past, you'll realize what they're willing and capable of doing today. Um, so Keep that in mind. So Operation, uh, basically, what that what they wanted to do there to go to war with Cuba was Operation Northwoods. So a few things that they proposed within the documents of Operation Northwoods. Here are some examples of the ideas that they proposed. And if you under, you have to know too that this went. This wasn't just an idea. This went all the way through the approval process of the Department of Justice and landed on the desk of the President of the United States at the time, which was Kennedy. And so this could have very well happened. It was one step removed from becoming a reality. And these are the things that they proposed that we do. Okay. Um, The first thing was to land friendly Cubans. And they're talking specifically about Guantanamo Bay at this point. Is land friendly Cubans in uniform over the fence to stage an attack on base. The second one was to start riots near the base gate. In quotes, it says, friendly Cubans is who they use. Um, the next one was to burn aircraft on the airbase. The second one, or the fourth one, was to lob mortar shells from outside of base, sink a ship near harbor entrance, and then next to that it says, conduct funerals for mock victims. Develop a communist Cuban terror campaign in the Miami area, in other Florida cities, and even in Washington. The terror campaign could be against refugees seeking safe haven in the United States. So if you break that down further, what they meant by that was they were going to stage terrorist acts. They were going to put people in positions where they would actually engage in acts of terror against actual Cuban refugees in the U.S. on U.S. soil so that they could convince you that going to war with Cuba was correct. The next one that they talked about was sinking a boatload. This is what it said. Sinking a boatload of Cubans en route to Florida, and then in parentheses says real or simulated. So they were willing, so that you and I are okay, just okay with them going to war with Cuba, they were willing to murder an entire 
boatload, according to this document, quote unquote, boatload of Cubans, of humans, of world citizens, people just like you and me who were born on a different patch of grass. They were willing to kill and murder those people randomly, real or simulated, it says, in hopes that you would be okay with them going to war with Cuba. The next one is exploding a few plastic bombs in carefully chosen spots. Then arrest Cuban agents and then release a prepared document substantiating Cuban involvement. And then after that, they also went on to say that they were going to create a possible incident, incident which will demonstrate convincingly that a Cuban aircraft has attacked and shot down a chartered civilian aircraft or airliner en route to the United States from Jamaica. The passengers could be a group of college students off on a holiday, it says. So again, you take that information, and this could, this was a create an incident. It doesn't say whether it's real or it doesn't say whether it's simulated. <clears throat> if it's real, they were going to murder an entire plane of people, civilian chartered airliner, to convince you and I to go to war with Cuba. They also proposed the actual hijacking and crashing of planes with real humans, real American citizens on it to convince you and I to go to war with Cuba. So if you understand that they were able, ready, willing, and able, the entire organization besides one single person passed this idea, right? Until this was basically, this was completely passed and approved in 1962 and was only declined after it hit the desk of President Kennedy. Thankfully, Kennedy went on to fire the director of central intelligence, which was Alan Duels at the time, who was also responsible for the Bay of Pigs, was uh, head of the CIA during a large portion of MKUltra experiments and the entire family jewels issue. Um, and he went on to say, being President Kennedy, went on to say that he wanted to splinter the CIA into a thousand pieces and scatter them into the wind. The president of the United States said he wanted to do that. Okay. So Operation Northwoods, MKUltra, Operation Midnight Climax, all three very, very real situations, all three very, very real actions by our government that would have been, if you were in the United States at that time and you were claiming that they recruited Nazi scientists through Operation Paperclip, that they continued Nazi experiments through MKUltra, that they uh, proposed attacking airliners and crashing them or committing acts of terror on U.S. citizens and U.S. soil so that we would go to war with Cuba, you would have been considered, or the fact that they were doing freaking brainwash experiments on the general public who said they were depressed at institutions in Canada in hopes of being able to brainwash our own citizens as potential Manchurian candidates. If you realize all of that, and if you would have said that at the time and been 100% historically and factually accurate in your statement, you would have been thought to be crazy. You would have been a conspiracy theorist. You would have been a tinfoil hat wearing uh, maniac, according to the general public at the time. But it was all true. It was all true. Every single piece of it. And it could be the same. And it is the same. It's just whether what is going to come out over time, right? What is going to come out 30 years from now that confirms our beliefs that this is all in an attempt to start a new world government, right? One that Eisenhower warned us of. Um, what if it was all in hopes to implant gene therapy into your body that made you more susceptible to other types of diseases or to um, manipulation of like, you know, what if MKUltra is being continued through this vaccination right now on a mass scale, right? There's an idea. What if, the, you know, Bill Gates, if you look back, there was a seminar given by Bill Gates at some institution where he talked about utilizing uh, forms of um, vaccination to help bring down the, uh, to help bring down the amount of terrorists basically, um, in, uh, terrorist organizations. So they basically, he said that I believe through vaccination that you can make people more agreeable and less, uh, likely to become radicalized as a result of vaccination. And he said this, this was in some type of seminar, um, in the early two thousands, it looked like by Bill Gates. So what if this is all an attempt to continue MKUltra and continue learning how to make people more agreeable and how to make people less likely to 
I don't know, pushback against government regimes um, to make us, you know, it very well could be that. And what if we find that out in 30 years? Right. But if you say that today, you're crazy. Right. You're not allowed to make these these sounds with your mouth. Otherwise, somebody's going to listen to your phone calls. Somebody's going to call you a bunch of names. Your aunt's going to call you a conspiracy theorist or an anti-vaxxer because you don't want to inject chemicals into your body that was not made by God. That was made by a human in a lab with the intention of profiting from it. Right. But you tell them you, you don't feel like you need it that your body has everything that it needs to be safe from these types of, uh, you know, sicknesses. And you're a conspiracy theorist and you're an anti-vaxxer. Just like if you would have said that I think they're conducting brainwashing on citizens in Canada by the CIA back in the 70s, they would have said you're crazy too, right? And so you kind of have to begin to look at reality through that lens, right? I think that's an important lesson from all of this. It's like, don't come out of this going, oh, everything the CIA does is bad. Right. I'm sure they've saved tons of lives. I'm sure they've done, they've stopped many legitimate acts of terror. I'm sure they've, you know, like I said, they've have a very good intentions a lot of the times. But I'm also sure that the people who head the CIA and the people who come up with these uh, covert operations are in the business of power, right? They're in the business of being able to manipulate people. They're in the business of political uh, agendas. They're in the business of profiting for corporations who fund them, right? Who got them in these positions. They're in, so that's their framework. That's where they're operating from, right? You have to operate from the idea of truth and facts, right? And you have to operate through and, and perceive our government and our country and our history from the perspective of somebody who knows that everything that we're perceiving today could change in the future with a few pieces of information that are released, right? And so make your own decisions, right? Do your own uh, reading, right? Figure out what it is today that you're willing and not willing to put in your body and, and abide by that decision. If anybody questions that, that's okay. Right, just like these people probably were questions when they were in these mental mental institutions being given electroshock therapy. Do what's right for you, right? So it's crazy, you know. Something to look into further. Operation Paperclip. This is what we went over today. Operation Paperclip. Operation Northwoods. MK Ultra. Um, a few homework assignments is watching the Manchurian Candidate. Great movie. Um, and there was another movie, uh, that came out as a result. What was the other one that I talked about? Um, I don't know. There's a ton of different movies that are out there that kind of hint towards this, but the Charles Manson thing, right? The Charles Manson being part of MK Ultra is a, a really interesting thing too. Um, so there you have it. That's what we're going to go into for today. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. A really, really interesting topic. If you have any other operations that we should talk about or any other uh, deep dives that we should go into on, on these released CIA documents with these 10 pedophiles who were basically let off through the CIA, which kind of brings us full circle back to the current stage of our you know central intelligence agency or the you know um, proposed assassination of Julian Assange, which was just a continuation of something that was released in Family Jewels back in the 70s right? They're still doing all of this today, right? And they're going to continue doing it until they, every 30 years when they're going to release information about the previous 30 years. So, you know, save yourself. <laughs> but I hope you guys have a great day. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned something today. Uh, if you have anything or any discussions that we should dive deeper into with the CIA, uh, please let me know, leave some comments, but also go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Um, subscribe here, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, leave that five-star review. I would appreciate it so much. Um, check out our merchandise at redpillrevolution.co. Subscribe to the Substack for all of the links that we're going to be in this actual uh, this week. So I'll actually post all of the CIA documents themselves, all their un at least as far as they can be unredacted, the information that's been released by the CIA themselves. I'll link all of these operations on there. I'll link Family Jewels on there for you. Um, I'll put the video in here for you as well. And uh, some other little tidbits um, and videos of interviews from people who are part of MKUltra and some other interesting videos I find around this topic itself. So subscribe to the Substack, redpillrevolution.substack.com. Um, all right. Thank you guys so much. I hope you have a wonderful day and we will see you next week. Welcome to the revolution.